Hey everybody, welcome to another awesome week of the Almighty Podcast. This is Adam. And this is Mike from NerdsOnEarth.com. And we are here to talk about a couple of episodes, but before we get into that, I uh, just wanted to mention, you know, we've got an awesome little Discord community going on. We've got a couple of folks in there like uh, Coder Mike and Exiton and TW Sang, uh, Celis, just kind of coming up with some fun fan theories, you know, from a couple of episodes over the past week and couple of you guys are watching along with us, and we've really been enjoying the interaction. So if you're listening and you want to hang out with us and kind of talk fan theories and whatnot, hop on in. Come and see us and get to know us a little bit better than just hearing us over the radio. Yes, and you can also find us on Twitter. And there we have uh, what we call hashtag Almighty Mondays, where we you know, obviously tweet out the release of every week's episodes. Uh, and starting just this past week as we're recording... I began what we're calling Trivia Tuesday. No hashtag, um, but I just share some random piece of my hero trivia with the masses. Uh, Just interesting little tidbits that I try to keep spoiler-free. I try to share information that is no further ahead uh, than what we have already released our episodes for. So both of those environments, actually, we keep very spoiler-free to the best of our abilities. Yeah, and it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, we got a lot of folks on Twitter that come in and pretty much explain to us why we're wrong and how we're wrong, which is great because yeah. I feel like I feel like every week I learn something new about the show, and it's awesome. It is fun, and they do. They will say, "All right, you're going to find this out a lot." <laughs> so they're yeah. definitely most a couple of the folks that interact with us on Twitter are way ahead of where we are um, as far as our viewing and recording episodes goes. Uh, but it is really fun. They, they're great about. I'm not going to spoil it, but you're you're going to find out an answer to a couple of these things coming up soon, which is which is fun. I mean, it builds the anticipation as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it definitely does for me as well. Uh, now we're on episode 16 right now, so let's go ahead and just kind of give a quick layout of what things are going to look like, so you guys can keep up with us. Uh, episode 16 today, we're talking episodes 32 and 33. Next week, you'll hear us talk episodes 34, 35, and then we're going to have another big three-episode finale, just like we did last season, with episodes 36, 37, and 38. 36, 37, 38. Thank you. My brain stopped for just a moment. <laughs> counting counting up by one is really difficult. It, it really can be, man. Uh, it was just it, knowing where to stop that really threw you. It was, yeah. I'm glad you're on my side there. Uh, <laughs> so then episodes 19, we're going to cover the movie in between seasons two and seasons three, which I believe is actually the first My Hero Academia movie because there's two out now, if, that, if I'm thinking of that correctly. Yes. If the second one's not out yet, it's coming out or it's been announced. It's one of those things. We haven't spent too much time researching it because we, we're trying to stay as, as green as possible when it comes to this stuff. Um, but we do know... That one movie is already out, is viewable, so our plan is to, between our coverage of season two and season three, is to watch that movie uh, and cover that in in an episode of ours. We might even have uh, a guest host along with us. I mean, it's not going to be like a celebrity or anything, just another voice to add to the conversation, shake things up a little bit, but I don't know. She may consider herself a celebrity. We'll have to see. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, let's go ahead and get down into the dirty business of episode 32, my friend. Uh, this was different, man. It kind of uh, it doesn't follow the manga, right? This is a filler episode. It is completely contained into the TV show. Correct. This one is called Everyone's Internships. This is the first episode that is original to the anime, as in it does not appear whatsoever in the manga. So in that regard, it is a filler. This is the first time where we've watched an episode where the main story doesn't progress somehow. However, as far as fillers go, like this one is actually pretty decent. So 
the way that they stage it is you've got Izuku or Midoriya, Ida, and Todoroki. They're all recovering from their fight with Stain. Uh, and the other members of Class 1A are obviously had been during this same amount of time that we've been with those three primarily have been off doing their own internships. So the setup works as Midoriya is kind of in the hospital and he just is just like, I wonder what everyone else is up to. And then they go into some of these other stories. So they could have just skipped ahead a few days, but I, I kind of like the idea of checking in on the rest of the students over the course of the same period of time. Because again, this is... This is a way that the writers are doing a good job of keeping the show from feeling like it is exclusively about Midoriya, and I like that. I like that it's staying kind of an ensemble cast where every character gets their due in due time. Yeah, definitely. Now, I was kind of under the impression that all this took place two days after the Hosu event, but yeah. I mean, it, it it seemed like it was kind of all, like this episode encompassed that entire week, really. Yes, so we, we know for a fact that Ida went home to his parents, um, Todoroki is going back to his father's agency, and Midoriya is stuck in the hospital healing. It's kind of interesting to me because Midoriya is the only one that's still like kind of banged up. I guess everyone else's injuries weren't that big of a deal. But then I'm like, you know, Todoroki got stabbed a couple times, and Ida couldn't move for like eight minutes and was definitely stabbed four or five times. I'm yeah. just surprised, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, what, what are you, you going to do with... Stab wounds, you know, you, you stitch them up, you patch them up, and then that's that's an in and out kind of thing yeah. for the most part. Because most of their most of the stab wounds were like in uh, in an appendage, like an arm or a hand, that's true. like nothing nothing vital except for that one that Ida took kind of near his shoulder that obviously has that more permanent or the threat of permanent damage. Right, right. Well, it's it's great. We go right into a montage of pretty much everybody else that I don't want to say everybody that we've been paying attention to because they've missed probably a handful of heroes in here. But it goes right into the best genus walking down the road with um, nice haired Bakugo is what I've got written in my notes here. Uh, it's just Bakugo with like a comb over. It's great. Yep, and then that that idea of a comb over is going to come up in a later episode and it's right and it's fantastic a later episode it's going to come up next episode and it's a great little one-liner thing but yeah his his hair has been tamed it's in check it's one of the things that best genus is trying to improve about bakugo's public appearance and that's kind of what this whole little segment is uh, apart from sue who we'll get to in a second most of the other heroes we drop in on for like 30 or 40 seconds but we spend some time with bakugo and the best genus is the best genus is trying to impress upon bakugo the importance of the public's perception of who he is and how he is well and he doesn't really help himself because you know as they're walking down the road a couple of kids are like oh hey i recognize that hero and he's like, oh, well, look, it's great. Some folks from the tournament recognize me. And they're like, no, nah, that Jello monster attacked you. And you yeah. were crying on TV. And he gets pissed off. And his hair, like, pops out for a second, you know. Yes. And it's so funny because Best Genus is even like, man, what am I going to do with this kid? Like I, like, I feel like he's doing everything he can to get him on the right path. And it's like every time he turns around, he catches him doing something bad, you know. So can we talk about the way, so you, you talked about Bakugo's hair popping back out. I have it in my notes that it. His anger literally makes Bakugo's hair explode back into its standard position. Right. And I was like, this is a gag that I both appreciate. We're going to see again um, in the next episode. And I somehow, like, until this scene, I hadn't ever thought about how Bakugo's hair kind of looks like an explosion. Um, huh, like that's a if good you, point. But that's, that's, his hair literally, like, boom. It even has this, like, little sound effect when, when he gets right. upset at these kids. And I was like, his hair's an explosion. How have I missed this the whole time? And it's great. It's a fun it may, gag. 
It makes me wonder if it, like when he sweats that glycerin stuff, if it gets really sticky in his hair. You know what yeah, I mean? I don't That's, know. That would be gross. Hey, uh, can we talk about best genus for just a brief second too? Yeah, of course. So I don't know. I mean, I never really have like spent some time looking at him until this episode. His design is so weird. Like if you look at his picture on the wiki or now or, or the next time he's on the uh, the show, if you pay attention to the way that his design is, he's got like this weird denim turtleneck thing going on. Yeah, yeah, know? he does. And the weirdest thing about it is that it has pockets and a belt. So he like, he has front pockets and back pockets. Like it's almost like he took the top third of a pair of jeans and then put that over his face. And it's just seems, it struck me as so weird. Like why does that piece have pockets and a belt? Do you, did you ever watch uh, the Yu-Gi-Oh stuff way back in the day? No. Okay, so there's a main character that has the blue-eyed dragon card. I can't remember what his name is, but I think the best genus looks like him if somebody elongated him and then closed his coat. Yeah, okay. that like that <laughs> okay. weird turtleneck thing looks like like if you just had a coat that you closed up, you know. I'm I'm of the opinion that you shouldn't have pockets on you that you're not going to use. So, I mean, just because it's a utility thing, right? Sure. Yeah. So. It's why, like, most times carpenter shorts or carpenter jeans, unless you're actually using all those extra pockets, that just look silly. And I say that as somebody <laughs> who owns carpenter shorts. Yeah. Um, but so for him, I have to, my headcanon is he keeps little bits and bobbles or loose change in the pockets that are right up under his eyeballs. That's and, really And, funny. like, on the back of his head. Which I guess, <laughs> if he was a smart man, maybe it's harder to pickpocket somebody if their wallet is up against the back of their head as opposed to on their rear end. Perhaps. I, I don't know. It was just, I, for some reason, watching this episode, his design just totally threw me off. See, for some reason, I also think that the best genus goes through thimbles a lot. And I, I don't know why that's a thought that I've had, but his, for some reason, I just assumed. I think his power would bypass the thimble, wouldn't it? I don't know. That's a good, I don't know how sewing works, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Just I just like assumed you, he kept thimbles in those pockets. You know? Yeah. So you don't know how thimbles work. You don't know how frogs work. Uh, I know how frogs work. I was totally right about those poison dart frogs. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> oh, another thing that happens in here is this. This was really funny, and we'll, we'll get on to the rest of the montage here. Is uh, best genius is like patrols have a secondary purpose. Do you know what it is? And Baka goes like, "If we see villains, we can beat them up right away." And yeah. <laughs> like best genius is like, "All right, calm down." But the last line of this scene is kind of interesting too, because best genius is talking to himself after he watches Bakugo terrify a bunch of kids. And he says to himself, he says, he's too proud, referring to Bakugo. It's fine if his aim is to become a hero, but if that is no longer the case, and then he just trails off. So yeah. I think Best Genius is still very much in, we need to reform this young man now, or his future is one of villainy. Which again, <laughs> Best Genius seems like he's out to uh, derail my earliest prediction on this show. Yeah, I mean, it seems like he's trying to keep him from you know, breaking bad. Like, I think best genius is one of the only ones that sees the writing on the wall and is like, all right, let's, let's fix this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we move we... on to gunhead, uh, who is teaching a Chaco how to fight. And this is a pretty fun scene. I mean, it's only like what, 15 seconds, if even that, but a Chaco's getting fired up, man. She's learning how to kick butt. She does. She's learning how to defend against a knife attack. Then we move to Momo as she watches. What's the name of her? Hero uh, Uwabami. Name again? Uwabami. Yeah. The woman, the snake head yeah or snake hair and she's dealing with paparazzi and then you get fourth kind and tetsu tetsu and kirishima are uh they're doing cleaning some up community like a park? service yeah. yeah 
So here's a question for you. Do you think Uobami is the equivalent of like an Instagram influencer? Like, yes. do you think other heroes like scoff at her? Yep. I, I think so. I, I, th- I think yeah. so. She's definitely big into the, the, the like uh, endorsement arena. Right. Like she's definitely, listen, hero killer stain would have no tolerance for Uobami whatsoever. She would be dead in a heartbeat. I'm surprised he hasn't targeted her. I mean, I would think that, like, since she's in all kinds of ads and promotions, that sh- her face is, like, plastered all over the place, you know? Maybe he just didn't get around to her city yet. True. But, you know, someone on Twitter pointed out that in this world, uh, heroes are, like, a dime a dozen. So there are literally hundreds of them, or if not more thousands of them. Yeah. So, you know, that it'd be easy to get them all mixed up. But anyways, uh, there's an awesome scene, too, with the earphone Jack, who is detecting hostages uh, with death hands, and I think that's great. Death is it death hands or death arms? How does death hands? Just another Maybe one of the cases where you're. Uh, I'm probably wrong. It's death arms. Death arms. Death arms. Well, the hands are connected to the arm bones. Whatever. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you just keep on justifying yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I will say this was neat because we did get to see her power in action, and so she has her earphone jack like plugged into a wall, and she's telling death arms how many hostages are in a building. And I was like, that's really cool. Because previous to this, I didn't really feel like we understood what her powers did quite well. You know what I mean? Yeah, we got a brief glimpse of it during the hero and hostage, or hero and villain thing with the um, with the big bomb where she jacked into yeah. the building and was able to identify what floor the thing was on or whatever. But yeah, it's been pretty minimal at that and... Didn't she use them at some some way in the festival too? She or tried I think she, to use them some way. She in the tried to use them at USJ and got disrupted. I okay. remember that because she was trying to like plug into her boots. I think she can emit like sonic waves with her boots or something like that. Yeah, uh, but I didn't think she was in the festival at all. Or I don't really remember her in the festival. Okay, or at least not using her powers. But yeah. So then we pick up with Sue, who gets the lion's share of attention in this particular episode. And when we meet up with her, she's actually swabbing the deck of a ship um, that's moored on a dock. And we meet another, we actually meet a couple of heroes, a couple extra heroes in her little aside here. The first of uh, whom is Sirius, who is um, a female character who has like Gyarados fins sticking out behind her ears. She looked like a Pokemon character for sure. She definitely did. And I was super bummed out to find out um, that those things were basically like walkie-talkies later on. I thought it was yeah. a physical manifestation of her quirk. I did too, because the captain is literally a seal. Yeah, yeah. So the captain is a is a bipedal a uh, bipedal seal who has like a super buff body, but a really cute face. Yeah. So a couple things about about this guy. His name is Selkie, and in Scottish mythology, bringing this into like that naming convention stuff again yeah. of of uh, Hirakoshi in Scottish mythology, a Selkie is a, a seal person or seal folk. They're mythological beings that are care, capable of what's called therianthropy, which is kind of like lycanthropy, except like... What, it, with seals? Yeah. So Changing like, from is that seal like form the full moon? by shedding their skin. Like on a full moon or like or on like when the tide goes out? I think it's <laughs> by command because they're mythological. They could just shift however they want to. I didn't do okay. a whole bunch of research into them. That's fair, um, that's fair. But yeah, and then... To get to your cute thing, this is this is kind of an interesting thing that comes up a couple more times in the episode because he makes this cute face for some reason. I don't remember what the what the motivating incident was for it. The there first were like time. several times, yeah. Yeah. But um, Sirius kind of gets on him and says, you can't just make your face cute below the neck. You're too macho. And she blushes when she says this. And then there are some weird like camera shots. So there's like crotch shot real fast and then a face shot real fast. 
And this made me laugh because I listened to several other podcasts, one of whom is a really academic uh, podcast on horror movies. Um, uh-huh. And one of the, it's called The Faculty of Horror. And one of the things that they talk about is that the camera oftentimes is representative of a male gaze, like what a male would focus on, what a male would be looking at. But in this particular scene, all I could think of, this is definitely the female gaze. And it's serious <laughs> as female gaze, like running her eyes all up and down Selkie, who she maybe has some feelings for like oh she definitely does i feel like if like if you watch that episode and you think she doesn't have something going on with silky then you're not paying attention yeah so and he's she's his sidekick from what i could tell yeah so this leads to some really murky waters and questions that i don't think we should get into in depth on this podcast but now now we know that you know these bipedal human like but also animal people with their physical manifested uh, manifested quirks exist and we get the implication here that they also have possibly romantic relationships they have to have romantic relationships with with possibly other heroes that aren't physical manifestations of animals so there's that weird like could there is bestiality a thing that's like normalized in this in this world, it, well, it's not, and, yeah, it's not like, that kind of anime, thankfully, so we don't have to run down this tunnel, but it was a thought that I had, and I needed to share it. Yeah, no, I definitely had that thought, too, because the the one occurring thought that I keep having is, is like, we've seen the, the officer that was a cat, we've seen the police chief that's a dog, we now have the captain of a ship that's a seal man, so are there, like, normal seals out there? You know what I mean? Like, are there normal dogs that are also pets? And if there are, does the police chief play frisbee with them? Like, it does he befriend dogs? Can he speak dog? You know what I'm saying? Like, does that bridge the gap between like the humans and animals? Because I don't think we've actually seen animals in this yet. Yeah. How has society changed in light of these these particular quirks? And then, you know, now that you're asking about, surely those animals still exist. Like, the I mean, presence I so. of quirks wouldn't eradicate all of these animals but we also i don't think have seen any of them no (laughs) well i mean maybe these animals that we're seeing are actually animals with quirks you know what i mean like maybe Mm. everything got quirk i don't know i don't know it's just kind of one of those thoughts where you're like there's some kind of strange things that aren't being explained that probably don't need to be yeah (laughs) you know so Um, you remember speaking of like animal quirked people remember last episode we talked about the the dog detective and the fact that he would end sentences with the word woof and yeah. that Midoriya had a reaction to that. Right. It it struck me again, I don't know why it happened for the first time in this episode, but Sue does a similar thing where she makes a ribbit sound at the end of a lot of her sentences. I've noticed I noticed that again this episode too. Well in the in the Japanese version, because I'm watching it, you know, subtitled like God intended, and at the end of her sentences, the subtitle would say ribbit, but I was like it, that is not at all what she's saying. So I got online, and it turns out that Jap- in Japanese, the automatopoeia for ribbit is kiro, K-E-R-O. So at huh. the end of a lot of her sentences, she was going kiro, and I was like, that is not ribbit. So apparently, Japanese think frogs make that sound, kiro, instead of ribbit. I don't know how that works out, but I, I mean, That's it was curious enough to me that I was like, I have to look into this. Well, and Silky talks like a seal kind of does. Like he doesn't he doesn't end his sentences with the like a seal noise. But throughout this episode, he talks to Sirius, who her quirk is that she has a good ear, like she can oh, yeah, hear yeah. miles away. So he communicates to her via like clicks, like uh, almost like echolocation. Right. The, so, the back of his uniform also says seal, 
but it's not like Navy SEAL, which is for sea, air, and land. It's more, I think it's more like Tetsu Tetsu's FE on the side of his helmet. Like he's oh, just totally. announcing himself like big and proud, like I am a SEAL in case you missed it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, it, this episode is just the whole nine, the whole episode is just nuts. It had me thinking so many things because the whole plot of this filler is that basically there are some criminals that have stowed away on this commercial cruiser, I guess. And then it turns out that they didn't stow away on the cruiser, but they're smuggling drugs into the land. And whenever they go to investigate these stowaways, they get captured. And basically Sue and Sirius end up having to take care of these, you know, villains that have all these, it seemed like drugs, at least it was drugs in the English version. Mm -hmm. Um, So they have to go and like capture these villains while Silky, who is the captain, is stuck on this other ship. And (laughs) the whole time they're basically covering for the Coast Guard who is too busy doing something else. So this spawned another thought for me, which was, and I kind of mentioned this off air, like, are there big like world wars that happen in this universe? And if there are, do they use pro heroes in war? Like would the Navy call in somebody, you know, like Endeavor or would the Marines call in Endeavor? Or do you think that quirks would be against a Geneva convention? Kind of like what we have here in our world, you know? Yeah. I mean, there are lots of things that we as humanity, as mankind are capable of inflicting upon other members of our species, but have, like you're mentioning, these these conventions, these laws, these treaties that prohibit, at least on from a legal, agreed-upon standpoint, what it is that we can do, what, what it is that we're able to get away with doing, I guess, or limit those things, at least on paper. So maybe that something like that would exist by this time, since quirks have been around for long enough. I mean, because then you still have to think how nationalistic are each of the individuals who are who have these quirks, like would All Might, what, which team would All Might fight for? Would he, would he fight for America or would he fight for Japan where he is now? That's um, true. Cause we so, don't know. I mean, I, I would assume All Might's Japanese. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Don't Cause, know. but I mean, it is kind of yeah, weird. He's got but, a Japanese name. Yeah. He's got a Japanese name, but it's kind of weird that like all of his attacks are named after States in the United States though. Yeah. So I don't know this, this, filler episode spawned a lot more questions than it answered that I didn't expect it to. You know yeah, what I mean? it was a fun, it was a fun little side. side yeah, it jaunt. was. It was really cool too. Cause the villains are like these like squid kind of things, including right. the two henchmen, but especially the boss, the boss looked amazing by the way. I you, assumed this was a play on Davy Jones. Okay. So here's what I thought when I first saw the two little henchmen, one of them was wearing red and another one was wearing blue. Uh-huh. And I thought instead of double dragon, it was double Kraken. <laughs> that's what I, that's the first thing I thought of when I saw them standing on the thing. I was like, this is just double cracking. There's a red and a blue. It doesn't fit with the, with the villain, but the, yeah, the villain is definitely very Davy Jones, at least as far as like the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise is concerned with how he looks and acts. And, but it was a cool fight. I mean, Selkie ends up showing out on that thing. He gets out and comes and just kicks the snot out of this guy and, He's even blinded, I think. Like, he has ink in his eyes, but he uses, like, echolocation to fight. It was pretty cool. And then you get, and, you know, Sue does some pretty amazing stuff in distracting and and trying to save uh, Oh, she held her weight. Yeah. Yeah. And And they even kind of mentioned that. Like, the Coast Guard is saying, you know, like, oh, I didn't know you got a new sidekick. And 
Uh, Selkie says like, oh, well, she's actually just an internship, but don't you dare treat her like a kid because she's a hero, you know, like she's on her way to be a hero. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. That's how the episode ends. She doesn't have her license, but she's already an excellent hero. And uh, that was a, it was a fun, it was a, it was a fine episode. Listen, as far as fillers go, especially like if you're going to compare it apples to apples, um, it is, it is a it's a pretty great episode for, for being so. off book entirely. They did a good job of, of keeping the feel of the show without it being boring. So, I mean, kudos. That's that's hard work. Yeah, no joke. I, I mean, I skipped probably like 30 episodes of Naruto filler because they were just garbage. You know, I mean, filler is typically not done well, and I feel like they nailed it. So I'm happy Correct. about it. So then we move, we pick back up the main narrative in episode 33, which is called Listen Up with two exclamation points. So I guess technically it should be like, listen up with a lot more uh, em- emphasis. And it's a lot a more ta- umph. Yeah, a tale from the past. And we pick up actually receiving an answer to a question that I believe you asked in the last episode of ours. Yeah, we start off with Midoriya kind of leaving Gran Torino. I guess the he's all healed up. He's going to collect. It looked like he was getting a, like, like Gran Torino had fired him because he had, like, a box with his stuff in it, and he was leaving Gran Torino's house. I think that was the suitcase that his new suit came in. Is that what that was? Okay, yeah. in my head, I was just like, did he get fired? What's going on here? Uh, but he asked Gran Torino as he's leaving, he's like, hey, real quick question. How come nobody knows who you are? Like, you trained the number one hero. You are really incredible yourself. And he just answers it with this really lame, like, eh, at one point in time, I really needed to use my quirk, so I got my license. And then I pretty much never did anything after that. Like, I'm not interested in being a pro hero at all. Yeah, he said that he had a goal that required him to be able to use his quirk freely, but he doesn't He doesn't get specific uh, as to what that goal is it kind of felt was. like a, like this is a story for another time kind of deal. Yeah. I will say this too, just in relation to that suitcase thing real quick, um, is, you know, as he's clutching it, it has the number 18 written on it, and that's his seat number in the class. So like assumingly, oh, wow. you know, each each of the students in class 1A, I'm assuming in a, maybe in the other classes too, is assigned a seat. And so his seat, the number on that suitcase corresponds to the seat that number that he has in his classroom. I didn't, I didn't ever picked up on that. That's pretty neat. Well, there's your there's your info for the day. You guys, oh man, I totally spoiled next week's uh, trivia Tuesday. Next week, well, if you I pay attention, you'll know ahead of time. Some, yeah, well, I'll come up with something <laughs> extra. I, I'm trying to keep it separate from anything that we say on the show. It's supposed to be extra bits of information. So that's awesome. That's cool. But yeah, Gran um, Torino sends uh, Midoriya to ask All Might for more details, um, but asks Midoriya. This is really cool little scene where he asks Midoriya who he is on his way out, and at first I thought that he was just like feigning senility all over again, which I thought was weird. Um, and I think Midoriya thinks that too for a split second, but then he catches on to Gran Torino's game and he's like, well, I'm Deku. And, and that's, you know, him proudly owning his, his hero name and Gran Torino kind of, I don't know if it was an internal monologue. I think his back was turned to us. So he might've said this out loud kind of to himself, but he suggests that Deku has what it takes to be the next symbol of peace, which is a cool kind of bow on, on their relationship over the, the course of the internship. Yeah, I don't think it's the last that we're going to see of Gran Torino, though. Like, I get the feeling he'll be back. Yeah, I hope so. I, hope I mean, so. he's yeah. an enjoyable character. He's yeah, fun. he's fun. He is a lot of fun. Uh, but this takes us back into uh, the classroom where everybody is kind of catching up. Uh, we you got a lot of people that were talking, kind of just exchanging stories, you know. And the one that really stood out to me that was cracking me up uh, in the back of the class, Mineta, I think, is talking to Kaminari, and he says something like, all women are demons at heart. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about that scene, because I think what happened was, 
So Ochako is like, it looks like she's charging up like in DBZ. She's, yeah. she's like practicing these moves and she has this crazy aura and her eyes are all whited out. And somebody mentions, man, Ochako sure went through a whole lot of change in a short period of time. And Mineta says, change, that's not it. Women are all demons. And he's like shaking. He's like, yeah. they're just hiding their true personalities. And what I have written in my notes is, I'm guessing that his time with Mount Lady was traumatic somehow. Because he is singing a different tune here, it feels like. Yeah. I almost feel like we needed a filler episode of what he did. You know what I mean? Because he's the only one they didn't touch on last episode. Not last episode, but we did see a brief scene of him like vacuuming. Yeah, as a maid at Mount Ladies. Maybe that's the thing. Like maybe he had to clean up after her and she's just a real wreck of a human. You know, she just he's just like, Oh my god, I can't believe what I got myself into. Yeah. I mean, because you know, Mineta's personality, he has not spent significant amount of time sharing space with a female. So he probably learned all sorts of things that he had no idea about, just being you know, serving as janitor at Mount Lady's home or wherever I'd, it might have been. Probably. Right before uh, this scene, too, you have the the reoccurrence of the exploding hair gag because Bakugo has gotten... He, he's being picked on by Saro and Kirishima because his hair is still, like, down, pressed up against his head. It's kind and, of like a Justin Bieber haircut. Yeah, and Bakugo is frustrated because he's like, it's just gotten used to this. This is just how it is now. And Saro calls him side part boy, which made me laugh out loud. Yeah. And then that causes Bakugo's hair to literally like explode out again. And it was really funny. And then they kind of have a moment where everybody is like, well, out of everyone that changed, those three changed the most. And, you know, they point at Todoroki, Ida, and Midoriya, who obviously all dealt with the hero killer stain issue. Uh, and, you know, and then they're talking about how they, inter- I guess, interacted with hero killer stain. And you can see Todoroki for a second is about to like lay down law and be like, nope, that was all us. That was me. That was, you know, Ida, Midoriya. But then he just goes, yeah, dad took care of it. <laughs> yeah, he thinks <laughs> like, about through it for his a teeth. second. He has yeah. a hard time with it still, but he's doing the he right does. thing. I think he loves the idea, though, of having something over Endeavor's head at home. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you get Kaminari in this scene who's just like totally bragging on Stain. He's like, Stain right? is cool as hell. And all the, like he and I are on the same page. However, it was definitely a little bit insensitive to say that kind of thing in front of Ida. And so like Midoriya's like, dude, chill out with that. Yeah, and even Ida kind of gets it, though. He's like, no, I get it. Like, I could see why Hero Killer Stain would seem cool because they're discussing the video that was released uh, where it talks about, like, I guess his past and the tragedy of Hero Killer Stain. Uh, so, you know, Ida takes it pretty well, I felt like, but then he immediately goes into the whole, like, all right, we're back in class. Everybody get to your seats. Get working on homework. Like, okay. just goes right back into Ida. So in this scene, for, for a long time, I've been trying to figure out who Ida reminds me of, and I couldn't figure it out until the exact moment that you just made reference to, because he's like, there's this shot where he's got his arm, like, pointed straight out in front of him, pointing yeah. authoritatively, and I, I was like, now I know who it is that Ida reminds me of, he is Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney from the Nintendo video <laughs> totally, games. Totally, totally. That's yeah. who he he acts like that. He looks like that. And it took me for I mean, how many episodes? We're on episode sixteen of the AMP, so thirty something episodes of the show, to for me to like pin down what it was that he reminded me of. And it's totally that attorney from the Nintendo games. That that's spot on, man. That's really funny. Well, we then move on to uh, All Might, who is teaching hero basic training. Uh, this time, they are doing, it's not like disaster recovery like it was last time. And I think even the students mentioned like, oh, well, if we're doing that, shouldn't we be at USJ? Not the uh, students, 
Ida. Ida is Ida. back to his episode two form with his questions and second guessing during the proctoring of an exam. This is right. like, remember that first impression I have of Ida where I was just like, that guy is a tool and I don't like him. This is exactly oh, totally. why I said that. Yeah, he's totally back. Like that old Ida is back. It's kind of weird. I almost feel like his tone shift doesn't quite make sense yet. You know what I mean? Like it's only been a couple days since he got back from this whole hero killer stain thing and they make it seem like everything's all peachy again. Maybe he processes and moves... Uh, like intellectually, emotionally, just as quickly as he does physically. Like maybe that's another piece of his quirk that he's just like, I can move past this stuff just as quickly as I can run past these things. I don't know. I'm I'm reaching for straws. That could be. I hadn't hadn't thought of that. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to my life. (laughs) So we get this awesome scene where All Might has decided to group everybody in groups of five and he is going to be in the middle of this little area. Like It's kind of like an industrial park. Uh, And he says, okay, the first person to save me, like, quote, unquote, save me, uh, is going to be the winner. And he points at Bakugo and goes, minimum damage to the property, please. And I I thought thought that was really funny. I don't know why I thought this. Maybe it was because I don't think Bakugo used these particular elements to his costume when he was out patrolling with uh, Best Genus. But I thought that he had ditched the weird eye black and the extra explosions behind his head. And... They're back now. Well, I think he did. Yeah, so I think when he was with Best Genus, like, Best Genus was making him wear a different costume. And now that he's not in part of that internship, he's like, screw that guy. I'll do what I want, you know? Yeah, those are the two. I mean, listen, the grenade hand things, I'm I'm growing to like oh, them. Yeah. I actually appreciate them now. But the eye black and the... I mean, you have to understand, like, the way that those explosions rest on his head is he has to be wearing one of those, like... It looks like a tiara. I don't know what they're called. Yeah, yeah, it's like a tiara, but it's one of the ones that, that like, goes... I don't know what they're called, um, but the ones that go, like, down on top of a lady's head instead of, like, laying parallel to the floor. Re- yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. Stick up. I don't know what they're called. That's that's what he's. That's what he has to be wearing to pull this yeah, off. Yeah, totally. And it just seems silly to me. Um, so I was like, oh, those those things are back. I, all right, I guess. You think that someone um, at some point would be like, you know, you can leave those at home. <laughs> Your hair accomplishes the same thing. Yeah. We, we've established this twice now by this time in just these two episodes. Like his hair looks like an explosion. We get it. Or at least I get it now. I've been I missed it for 30 episodes, <laughs> but I see it. Yeah, now. totally see it now. Uh, well, we get uh, the first grouping is a combination of Saro, the tape guy, Midoriya, uh, Ida, the uh I, I always call him luke skywalker he looks like luke skywalker to me but the kangaroo guy yeah Ojiro. Ojiro, thank you uh and there's a fifth one but for some reason i can't seem to think of who it is there was five I thought there was five. Oh, mina, mina that's right mina's mina. the other one and it seemed like it was kind of weird because at first it sort of seemed like they grouped the speedsters together but then they didn't uh i mean not all of those are speedsters uh, but it was interesting because they were all talking about who they thought was going to come in first place. And a lot of folks thought Ciro was going to come in first place. Um, did you catch why Mineta thought Mina would be in first place? Uh, I probably heard him say it, and I can't recall what, he's, what he did. Because she me has in. a rockin' bod. Uh, <laughs> my favorite, the only thing that I cataloged from the betting was Bakugo kind of, he's not even in the foreground. He's like in the background, and he just says out loud, Deku will be last. Yeah, I think he says Deku's going to be dead <laughs> last. <laughs> yeah, they're asking who's going to be first, and he's like, I'll tell you who won't be first. Right. Like, he speaks up from the back, and it's just totally... And he calls him Deku. I still love that his diminutive, his diminutive nickname for Midoriya is Midoriya's hero name, and he still continues to use it. Like, 
it's like a weird burn on on um, Bakugo for that to be. The it case. is, yeah. Well, and he kind of gets burned even more. I think everyone is shocked, really, because All Might blows the whistle. And at first, it looks like Saro's in first place because he's like kind of up above the industrial park. But then Midoriya goes right past him, and everyone's watching on the screen, and they're like, "Holy cow! Like he's really fast. How is he pulling this off?" And as Bakugo's watching, he just realizes, "Holy cow!" he's using my moves like everything he is doing he's learned from me and so he gets pissed off because he's been spending a week learning fashion lessons basically while Midoriya has been improving yeah my notes say Sarah was off to an early lead and then our boy five percent's passed his ass totally (laughs) that's what mine says and then I have this though because you're you're talking about that scene where uh, Bakugo is upset with like uh, Midoriya stealing his moves. So Ochako and Todoroki both begin to say that Midoriya's movements look like, and then they both trail off. And then it cuts to Bakugo saying that they look like my moves. Do you think that that's what Ochako and Todoroki were thinking too? That they, that they looked like Bakugo's Absolutely. moves? Or was Bakugo just sliding in and taking credit for Midoriya's improvements and the others might have thought he's kind of looking, he's kind of moving like all might because Todoroki has had that suspicion before. No, I think he, they were totally going to say uh, Bakugo because it, he he moves like so the way that it looked to me was like he was moving like a mixture of Gran Torino All Might and Bakugo but I specifically think he's been trying to do more of Bakugo's moves. I mean if you even think about the way that like he's jumping wall to wall it's very similar to how Bakugo jumps back and forth using his like propulsions from his hands. Yeah. So, but it kind of also looks like Gran Torino jumping. So I think it's he's mixing and that's kind of the cool thing about Midoriya really is like he observes everybody around him and then implements what they do best in his own style. So really anybody looking at him could go, "Wow, he's using my moves." You know what I mean? Which is kind of thematically appropriate given how w- what we learn about the one for all later on in this Absolutely. Episode. I think this is also sort of a reflection on Bakugo, though, because he still thinks that Midoriya looks up to him no matter what. Like, he still thinks that Midoriya is finding inspiration in himself. Like, Bakugo's yes. still, this is just another self evidence of Bakugo being, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, Conceded. Conceded, yeah, exactly. He is, he is very self involved, maybe. Like, he thinks that everyone wants to be like him. Yeah, well, the moves are not quite good enough to uh, get Midoriya there first. He had a pretty commanding lead to the shock of everybody, including All Might, um, but he slips on like a uh, a pole or some yeah. sort of tube. Yeah, it looked like he like miss like stepped on a pipe. Yeah, pipe. So, that's the word that I was which looking it was, for. That I, I could come up with conceited, but not that's pipe. Okay, I can't come up with most words. I make up my own words, so. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> um, I, in fact, I think one of our listeners, Celis, he listens to all of the Back Patios podcast. He now has a running list of all of the words I've made up. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I, I did not expect Midoriya to lose here because the moment he took off, I was like, all right, he's going to show everybody up. And when he fell and slipped, and I think Saro comes in first place, that just wasn't expected. Yep. He does. It was a sad trombone ending for sure. And uh, but even all my tells this... I'm like, man, I was really proud of you. You're good. Yeah, and that so that scene had me uh, laughing too because there's again this weird shot of All Might where he kind of gives Midoriya a thumbs up, but the shot is like the camera is like it's down at All Might's feet and angling up, and you see like just All Might's butt yeah. taking up like three quarters of the screen, and then his thumb. And it made me, I just wrote, hopefully, I mean, you've seen Endgame, yeah, right? Where, yeah. they, you know, there's some time traveling, timely 
stuff in there. And one of the scenes, like Steve Rogers is looking at himself from the past and he's like, man, that costume did nothing for my butt. And Ant-Man was like, you've got America's ass, you know? (laughs) And that, that scene popped into my mind with all might just standing there in his red, white, and blue. And his like, butt was like front and center on that, on that scene. It made me laugh. I actually had a note similar to this, except my only note is that did you notice how big his thumb is? Like, I don't know if it was just a proportional thing or what, but his hand is, like, down by his leg, and I swear to you, his thumb is just as long as, like, his femur bone. Like, it is totally not proportional at all in this one scene. It looked really weird to me. Maybe it was, like, weird forced perspective. Like, he was holding his hand much closer to the camera than his thigh was. I think that's had to have been what it was, because just for a second, it caught me off guard. I was like, holy crap his hands are huge like what is going that's his other quirk that we haven't learned about yet he's got massive giant hands yeah who knows what's stirred around all up in the uh the one for all i really hope we get to know what other quirks have been added because at the moment all we're really aware of is that he just has this superpower that he can disperse at his pleasure you know what i mean yeah yeah so well before we get into more information concerning the one for all we get a fun scene in the locker room um, with the the guys and the girls you know obviously i guess a couple more rounds of uh rescue all might have taken place and they're back in the locker rooms uh getting ready to shower and change whatever and this is the mineta scene that we've gone episodes there's been an episodes long drought of no solid Mineta jokes. And this episode had like two just fantastic moments with that were all about Mineta. And this is one uh, when they're in the locker room. So Mineta apparently finds uh, like a peephole behind a poster that presumably would let him see into the girls' locker room. And so he even calls Midoriya Shawshank at one yeah. time, which I'm assuming it's because the hole is behind a poster. Yeah. But that was pretty funny. So he's Mineta is freaking out. He's like, guys, you got to come look at me. And he hasn't looked at it himself, I don't assume. I don't think so. I don't think so. so, but I think he, he just, knows what it is. Yeah. He, calls it, so, uh, he calls it a jackpot and then says it's a treasure from the past, which I thought was great. <laughs> yeah. So Ida's lawful good behind is having none of it. I mean, he's like... Peeping Tom is a criminal offense. You know, he's real upset about it. But Mineta's response to that is, my little Mineta is already a criminal act. Oh, my which God. Which made me laugh So he didn't say that in the English version. He just says, well, if it's an offense, you're going to have to lock me up then. Oh, buddy. In, <laughs> in the subtitled version, it is, my little Mineta is already a criminal Holy act. Holy cow, that's great. Uh, and then he goes on this like explanation where he's dreaming about the anatomy that he's going to see through this hole. And he says, Yaoyurozu's Yaoyuroboobs, yes. Mina's slender waist, Hagakure's floating underwear, Uraraka's fine Uraraka body, and Asui's unexpected boobie. <laughs> and this is really funny. I, and I wanted to keep the some of the original names in there because usually we call Yaoyurozu Momo and usually we call Uraraka Ochako. Um, but Uraraka is beautiful in Japanese. Oh, really? So he's saying Uraraka's be- beautiful body. Um, and when he talks about Yaoyurozu's, he says Yaoyurozu's boobs. <laughs> and Yaoyurozu is in Japanese means like great or an uncountable number or possibly 8 million. So I get the sense that maybe he was rating them like Yaoyurozu's boobs on a scale of 1 to 10 is an uncountable number or it's an 8 million on a scale of one to 10. That's what it seemed like to me. And it made me laugh once I started like looking some of this stuff up. The amount of like wordplay and nameplay in in these episodes and just these characters in general is ingenious. I love it. It's so funny. It's, it's pretty fun. If you take just 10 seconds to go to that, uh, 
that wikia that we are constantly looking at and scroll down to the trivia section. All this stuff is there and it makes some of these scenes just that much more funny. Well, it's great because Mineta goes to look, puts his eye up to that little hole and an earphone jack comes popping through. I mean, I, at this point, I got to assume Mineta's completely blind in one eye because it looks like she plugged <laughs> into Mineta. Yeah. And as as loud as he was yelling, they had to have heard it. So he he tanked his own chances at this. This is totally on him. Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, there's a, I mean, easily like a two to three inch hole in the wall and he's screaming through it basically about, you know, watching these women unchange. Uh, and then I felt really bad for Jiro because she's like, well, why wasn't he talking about me? Uh, I, I literally awed yeah. like out loud. I was just like, oh, yeah. poor Jiro. Because she did. She was like, he's, he mentioned everybody in here except for me, including the invisible one whose body he can't even yeah. see. <laughs> she felt so yeah. bad. Which, I mean, I got to wonder, like with that poor girl's quirk, do you think that she gets like bumped into all the time in the locker room and whatnot? I would imagine yeah, so, I guess. I, I feel like being invisible would really suck. Like, that would be one of the worst quirks to have, you know? Maybe, maybe. I mean, having grown up with this quirk, maybe it is that she just knows, she's learned that she just constantly needs to have something in hand or on That's her. true. So, Can you imagine you know, the pure horror, though, of like a six or seven-year-old? Because I think we've determined that quirks kind of are onset between like six and eight years old or something. Can, yeah, it's pretty can you imagine the pure horror of like waking up to go brush your teeth, looking in the mirror, and you just can't see yourself? Yeah, like that. Like I can't even imagine how that would have to go down. You know, <laughs> or you're a seal, or you're a seal. Yeah, like you wake up and you just you're all of a sudden you're a super buff, pretty seal. I mean, it yeah. could be worse, right? <laughs> it could be. Uh, so that kind of ends most of the humor for this episode because we kind of transitioned to this more somber conversation that has kind of been looming over All Might for several episodes now, ever since the the, um, the conversation that Gran Torino had with All Might over this phone where he was like, you need to tell Midori about this. Was that the last two episodes? I think that was in, yeah, because that was kind of in the Hero Killer Stain like, wrap-up. That was when they were in the hospital, and I think Gran Torino was getting his uh, license restricted. Yeah. I wonder, like, okay, sorry, I'm going to have to derail you for just a second. This just crossed my mind. We know that he got his license so he could use his quirk because you can't use your quirk in a public setting without a license. Like, that's been established. Okay. So, how would they stop Gran Torino? Like, can you imagine being, like, I mean, I guess that they would have a database that they would, like, scan your ID in and go, oh, you're not registered anymore. I mean, it's no different than having, like, a a handgun carry permit, right? Like, I'm in a database. They know I've got one. When I get pulled over, I hand it to them. They know, you know, I tell them whether or not I'm carrying. I would imagine quirks are similar. Do you think that, like, Gran Torino would totally be like, all right, deuces, and just start jumping away? Like, they're never going to catch up to them. I mean, they they would have other speedsters. They could sick a racer head to kind of cut his quirk out long enough for him to be apprehended. Okay, I, I think that yeah. there are definitely ways for them to get That's him. true, I guess, but it seems like the people that would enact the justice, like, because we know the heroes don't aren't the ones that seek justice. They just are the ones that calm the storm. The police officers are the ones that actually do the arresting parts. So, I don't know. It was just yeah. a, a fleeting thought. Well, All Might is definitely not looking forward to this conversation, and... We don't really get why he's not looking forward to, forward to it until like the very last line of this episode before the credits roll, because up until then, it, it seems like he's just being very informative, right. not just about history, but about how the one for all works and about this person named all for one and how he came about. So let's walk our, ourselves through this. The first thing that I had a note in here was, I don't know why neither you or I thought about the fact that we've we know that the one for all is passed by 
you know, the, consuming some some piece of the other person's genetics or DNA, you know, hey, here is how all might pass it on. How did neither you or I uh, freak out when Stain licked some of Midoriya's blood? Well, I feel like one of us brought it up, but then I feel like we, like, it was kind of one of those things where we said, well, we, he wouldn't know how to access that power. Okay. I feel like we brought it well, up. I mean, Even it if we didn't bring it up on air, I could have sworn one of us said something and then it was pretty much just swept under the rug real quick. Well, this definitely de- derails my 23andMe scheme for all of us to have the one for right. all. Um, because All Might says that it cannot be transferred unless the user wishes it. So it can't be taken by force, which is what Stain was doing in effect. I mean, he wasn't doing it intentionally because he doesn't know how the one for all works. But but it can it can be transferred by force. So if All Might was like, I don't want this, I want you to have it. And you were like, no, 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 you could still end up with the one for all. Right. So then he begins talking about the this this person this individual who is now um suspected or possibly even known like they have a very strong suspicion that he's leading um the league of villains and his quirk is that he steals quirks from others and then um he can he can he can like give those quirks to other people or he can even enhance them like because it goes into the past and talks about how when Quirks first came around, you know, and I guess this character has been around since then, it seems like. Yeah, I think I got the impression that he was among the first. Right. And I really liked this from a world building perspective, um, the history of the world's reception of Quirks, because you would think like in your brains, at least in mine, it's like, shoot, we all have superpowers. This is flipping awesome. Right. Um, but... But we learned that when Quirks first came onto the scene, the world kind of fell apart um, for for a hot minute. That's right. Midoriya made a weird comment that I didn't really... I, it took me a second to kind of get what he was trying to say. But he says to All Might that the people would have it be taking interstellar vacations if it weren't for Quirks. And I, at first I was like, what is he talking about? But then I realized he's basically saying that if Quirks never came along, they would have already been in space. That like when Quirks came along, humanity broke down so badly, science exploration completely stopped. Yeah, so this all-for-one guy steals Quirks. He became the leader of all of the people with Quirks that decided that they were going to be bad guys, and he basically ruled Japan. Yeah. I mean, they made it sound like he was like a daimyo, basically, I mean, over Japan. Yeah, he, it reminded me of Voldemort from Harry Potter, because they're talking about yeah. how like he would go throughout and spread chaos and then build this legion up, and it was just that there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people following him. And it's crazy. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, because his his mo was basically like, you either follow me or I take your quirk. Yeah, done. Well, and it's interesting so, because even you know, your options are pretty limited, right? And it's really interesting because even Midoriya makes mention like, well, how come I've never heard of this? Like, why is it this in history books? And All Might just says, well, it's just something we don't want to remember, you know. And it was a dark yeah. time in history. It, it reminds me a lot of like uh, Tiananmen Square, you know. That's still to yeah. this day a whole country's government won't admit that that happened. Yeah, they must have expunged the hell out of this. I mean, gone through an insane amount of effort. And there has to have been time that passed where everybody was kind of of the same mind, where they were like, listen, on this side of the fight between All Might and One for All, or uh, All Might, rather, and All for One, we need to forget what happened, what took place before this. uh, and move past it to the best of our abilities. Yeah, they must have. And, And I mean, I'm trying to think of a timeline here. It can't have been more than like a hundred years, right? I mean, if if Toshinori is the eighth person to have 
the this power and you're let's just say that 20 years is about how long somebody would have it it can't have been more than about a decade i wouldn't think or not a decade sorry it couldn't have been more than about a century yeah and the power of the one for all it had grown over those generations where right alongside so i mean we're, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here so we it turns out that all for one had a quirkless younger brother right um and that it turns out like secretly he wasn't quirkless. He had this quirk that was to pass along other quirks, but he didn't have a quirk. So anyway, anyway, the way that this thing worked was all for one forced this quirk that was able to like stockpile quirks inside of his younger brother. And he already had the quirk. And that's how the one for all came. And he already had the quirk to pass it on. So that's why he's able to pass this one, one for all to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And so it shows there's, if I bet if we, Rewatched this scene, it would it would show this little light kind of kicking around. It was kind of like a a, a visual metaphor for the uh, one for all being passed around, presumably eight times um, until it got to who we know as All Might, the this eighth owner, right of the one right. for all. And um, when it when it came to him, I guess it had made him powerful enough to stand toe to toe with All for One, and they show this like scene where he's like kneel, knelt down on his knees over a body that's prostrate and it looked to me for all the world like he had just smashed this dude's head into yep. a pulp and that kind of is backed up by the visual that we get of all might excuse me of all for one later on in the episode because it's the top like three quarters of his head is just scar tissue and they're talking about how one of the quirks he apparently picked up was cellular regeneration and yeah they're talking about how it's a real uh, shame it took them as long as it did for him to get that quirk because yeah. this whole this whole time, you know, All Might's leading up to the fact that, like, hey, look, Midoriya, you're probably going to have to fight this guy at some point because we think he's back. Mm-hmm. And Midoriya's really yeah. peppy about it. He's like, I'll do it so long as you're with me. And then that's when All Might gets to the point in the conversation that I think he was dreading from the beginning, which is this idea that he's like, and I, I don't think he says this to Midoriya. He just kind of is just like, all right. And Midoriya leaves and All Might is either talking again to himself or in, inside of his own mind. And he says, you know, by that time, I probably won't be by your side any longer. I mean, All Might's going to be drawing some hot aggro from All for One for yeah. sure. I mean, the last guy to, to stand up to him who d- obliterated him, he's he's got to be target number I would one. think so but I I kind of took it as a matter of like I'm getting weak I know I'm getting weak like I can't even hold my own form for more than 45 minutes I'm gonna die soon that that's the way I took it well and I think that they could both yeah. be true and more to your point too I think that if a confrontation were to take place All Might would do everything that he could but he also knows that everything that he can do is limited by you know, this, this time that he has left to be powered up. So he knows that even if he were to engage and start by Midoriya's side, his, his effectiveness is finite. Whereas he's hoping that Midoriya's skill will have grown, uh, to, to the place where he will stand in all might's place when it comes to blows. No, I do want to back up for just a quick second here. We were talking about this all for one. He has this little brother that was quirkless that he passed the quirk onto. And that's where one for all came from. But did you notice at least to, to me, the little brother looked just like Shigaraki. No, I didn't know. Yeah, I felt that. like he looked just like Shigaraki, which then kind of furthers my thought or furthers the idea that, well, we know for now 
well, we know for certain now that he is the guy leading the League of Villains, but I think that may have been one of the reasons he chose Shigaraki, because I feel like he looks like his little brother. Hmm. Could be. Maybe it's just like a subconscious yeah. thing. Because I, I got the impression, just based on some of the things that All for One said at the end, it was basically like he picked Shigaraki because Shigaraki reminded kind of himself of right. himself, like just how evil he is and how... Um, how motivated and ambitious he is in his evil. Uh, so, well, and you know, it could maybe be that's both. the best of both worlds. Yeah, like, look, we found this guy that has my same ideology and happens to look just like my little brother. So let's bring him on board. Yeah. You know, um, now I will. I mean, all for one. Con- he calls Shigaraki the next right. me. Is the what is what he? I says. will say I was a little upset here, uh, and this is on my own fault. Uh, so we get this scene where Midoriya is leaving All Might, and All Might talks about how he is not going to be there, and then the credits roll. And you guys know I don't watch anything past the credits. Like credits roll, I drive to our recording studio and I call Atkins. That's how I watch these things. <laughs> so I was getting ready. The credits are rolling, and all of a sudden the kids start talking, and it's not like see you next week, but it's actually part of the episode like there's a full five or six minutes of episode after the credits this time and it's golden yeah. so i'm glad that you didn't I'm, miss it too. because we find but out bad, bad timing that, my hero <laughs> yeah definitely but we find out aizawa we're back in the classroom and aizawa the best hero of all time is standing up front and he's just like all right we've got you know the summer and we're gonna go on this like summer camp in the woods and I just have in my notes, I just said summer camp in the woods with Aizawa with a bunch of exclamation points because that just excites me. I want to watch that. I want to be there for that. Sounds like so much fun. But I'm not the only person that's excited because Mineta is losing his oh, mind yeah. again in this scene. He's like, every, you pop around and other people, other heroes in class 1A are just like, oh, interject this thing about camping. And then Mineta pops on screen and he's like, baths. And then somebody else is like, oh, this thing about camping. He's like, open air yeah. baths. And then somebody else is like, this thing about camping. He's like, hot spring baths. Like he's just stuck on the fact that he gets to see these girls possibly in the woods. But then Aizawa's like, you have to pass your final exam or you'll be stuck here at UA in summer school and Mineta is just like, girls do your best. Yeah. Like he is so into this idea. And it was, it was it, great, man. It's good. The, the good Mineta humor in these two episodes. Solid. It Mineta was, I, I didn't think I'd miss Mineta, but I did a little bit, just a little bit. I did. And, and it makes you feel dirty, but it's, it's just, it is what it is. Mineta's great. Perv's, perv's yeah. And perv's. it's just one of those comedic relief things. Like, you know, Mineta's innocent, I think. Yeah. But then you do eventually get to the next on. Um, so if you hung around for the after, the after credit well scene. this is even before um, the after credit he, scene we get to see the uh this all for one guy talking to this evil doctor who's healing him up uh right. and then we also get to see that the final exam is going to be students versus teachers right yeah they're so they're going to pair the students together and then two students are going to face off in combat presumably with one teacher from I'm UA. excited to see that. I'm interested in who who's going to be paired with who and who they're going to be fighting. You know, like I wonder if there's going to be a lottery or if this will be strategic. Me too. I want to see some sick combo moves. I want to see some of the teachers from UA show out Me some. Too. Um, because there's a couple that we still haven't really seen yeah, do definitely. much. So uh, I'm pretty excited about all of that. So let's let's get to it, man. Definitely, yeah. No, I'm super excited about it. Um what, was there anything on the next week that we need to be looking forward to other than this uh, this showdown? I don't think so. I mean, they just talk about the final exam and pairing off and fighting some teachers, and I'm, I'm for cool. it. 
Cool. Well, all right, then. I think that'll do it for episodes 32 and 33. Uh, See you next week. Yep, for episodes 34 and 35, watch along. Tune back in next Monday. Keep an eye out for Tuesday Trivia on Tuesday. Join us on Twitter and in the Discord, and let's continue this conversation throughout the week. Definitely. We'll, We'll see you guys next week, and we hope to hear from you before then. Almighty Podcast is a production of the Back Patio Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out our others at backpationetwork.com. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash backpationetwork. And feel free to hit us up on Twitter at at backpationet or at almightypod. We'd love the chance to talk with you.